Hey everybody, grab your Bible, a pen, journal, and maybe even a cup of coffee. And I'd like for you to write this down. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. I'm your host, AJ, and I'm so glad you're joining us as Dot continues her four-week series through the book of Philippians. Let's jump into the conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about Philippians 2. Kara and I are together, and we are so excited about you joining us, and I'd love for you to grab your Bible, and if you can, turn to Philippians 2 and really ask God to open your mind and heart to what He would have for you. Even today, as I was reading uh, Philippians 2 at the beginning of the podcast, I saw some things that I really didn't see before, so I underlined what I had not seen before in my Bible, and today, I would love for you to do that. If God is showing you some things today as we talk about Philippians 2 and what Paul is saying to the church. You know, I know that Paul is talking to the church in Philippi and he was just rejoicing over the financial support that the church in Philippi had given to him. He was sending this letter as a thank you note. It's basically a thank you note. And there's so many things, Kara, in Philippians in the entire letter that we so often quote Mm -hmm. and we put on Mm t-shirts and we really depend on Uh, some of the verses and some of the things that God said through Paul to this church. And these are definitely some powerful truths. But when we put it in context and we really realize that here's Paul saying rejoice. And it's one thing to say and encourage the church to rejoice when everything's going well. Mm -hmm. But Paul's in prison. Right. And so as um, we put this in context for Paul to say, now I want you to rejoice, it brings another level of Paul knows exactly what he's talking about. He knows how faithful God can be even through the most difficult times in your life. Mm -hmm. And last week we were talking about how that Paul had this encouragement to everyone, to every believer to have the same mind of Christ, to to think way past your circumstances and to think about why you're doing what you're doing. Keep the why nearby. Mm-hmm. And so today, as we continue in Philippians in chapter two, he kind of continues that thought and he's saying rejoice. Like, look at my current circumstances and don't be discouraged because, you know, Kara, these Christians were facing their own persecution. And so to think about, you're looking at me, Paul, this guy that, you know, is one of God's favorites, as so many of the Christians thought. If it would happen to Paul, what was going to happen to them? Yeah. And so they, they might have been very discouraged or afraid of right. things. And so when you put that in perspective and realize that Paul is saying to the believer, you know, no matter what's going on in your life, you can rejoice. You can have the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. And as we've said so many times in our podcast, and we'll continue to say it, is that we have the Holy Spirit in us. And so as we begin to go through life circumstances and things aren't turning out the way that we think that it should, we can draw upon the Holy Spirit and ask God to open our eyes to see things as He sees them. And then over time, as we 
concentrate on our thoughts. We're going to talk about that a lot in Philippians about how Paul says, pay attention to your mind. Have the mind of Christ. A thought or a principle that chapter two is really saying is get over yourself. <laughs> and you know, we live in a world that is very self-centered. Yeah. You know, I'm not really good at these selfies that you try to do on the phone. But, you know, ever since I believe that we have really concentrated on these selfies and, you know, your Instagram and like, how do I look in this picture? And what am I going to say? How does this make me look? How does this make me feel? Without knowing it, our focus and our, our mindset is definitely on myself. Mm -hmm. What do I look like? What's other people going to think of me? And so Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, he said, I don't want you to do that. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. So Paul is saying, thank you so much for your financial support. And so he must be addressing some things that are going on in that church. Right. Yeah. Something that he knew or had heard, had heard that, right. that they were doing that. And so he starts out with these if clauses. He says, if if there's any encouragement, and really what he was saying in the Greek, it's saying since there is encouragement. It's not like if, I don't know for sure. Yeah, like hypothetically or maybe. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is really, the Greek word is, is act certain. In, in other words, it could be translated as since there is encouragement in Christ, love, fellowship, affection, compassion, and joy, unity. He's saying because of that, he said, I want you to look after each other's interest and not just your own. And so today, as I was reading this chapter, I told you, I really have looked over the fact that Paul said in verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interest. And so he doesn't really say, don't look at your interest at right. all. Yeah, it's like there's obviously some balance that he's addressing of like, yeah, you can look to your own interest or look mm -hmm. to yourself, but... Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Pray yeah. for yourself. Right, right. Obviously, don't let that be the ambition or the, you know, the do nothing focus. from selfish ambition, right? Which is just him saying, like, don't let that be the motivation, like mm -hmm. the selfish motivation. Yeah. And I think that what he's saying is what you're saying too, Kara, is that it's okay to be concerned about some things that you're concerned right. about. Well, I think it's like the difference in if I'm wanting to better myself just to make myself look better mm -hmm. or am I wanting to better myself so that, you know, have a better or a healthier mental health so mm -hmm. that I can access the spirit so that I can do the call that God's put on my life or so I can, you know what I mean? I think that with Paul, he always had an eternal perspective. He always had ministry as something that's very important. And so I think, you know, looking after your own interests, and you're taking care of yourself and you are thinking about how to better, how to grow in your own faith and how you can be a better person will reflect and spill out over into how you minister. Right. He's saying to them, look, you're being really self-centered. Like you're more concerned about what your needs are than the needs of others in the church. Mm -hmm. And he uses Jesus as an example. And this is a huge part as you turn into Philippians 2 where it says, have this same mind among yourselves that's in Christ. 
And then in verse six, it says, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And some people have taken that out of context and have said, oh, then Jesus isn't God. But that's not at all what this verse is saying. Well, Well, I feel like that, yeah, it's saying just the opposite. It says in the form of God. But it's not like a likeness of God. He was literally God. Right. So a lot of people think, well, that's just kind of like God. Like he was kind of looking like God, you know, or he just kind of expressed godliness characteristics. But no, he was God. He was all human and he was all God, which is hard for us to understand. But that's the way it is. You know, I'm I'm all mom. I'm an all wife, I'm an all girl, but I, I perform in different characteristics and different things in life where Jesus was all God. But when he decided to come down and be obedient to the father, he decided to come down and be born of a human being, of a baby, but he was still all God, right. but he was living out of a characteristics of a savior, but he's still God. And he came as the Messiah, but he's still a baby. He's all God. And that's what John's all about, that Jesus is the son of God. He is God. So when it says in here that he did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, basically what he's saying is, I'm not trying to be God. I am God. Right. We try to be God. Right. And we're not. And we're not. And that makes it very difficult in life because we feel like sometimes if we were God, we would do certain things. We would act a certain way. And we sometimes put god in our image like if i was god then i wouldn't let this happen if i was god i would do better things or i would you know give them whatever they asked for but what paul is saying to this church look get over yourself you're being self-centered now remember you're a follower of jesus and jesus did not try to do what he wanted to do because he just wanted to do it Jesus said, everything I do, I do for obedience to the Father. Well, it goes back to, we just had Easter, you know, a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago. And it's that whole, it's Gethsemane, like Gethsemane prayer of he submitted to the will will of the Father. Yeah, it wasn't, I mean, he very easily could have said, listen, I'm I'm God. I can do whatever Mm -hmm. I want. And I'm, you know, not going to submit to the cross or I'm not going to, you know, do whatever, you know, be stoned and go through all that pain. But it wasn't something to be correct. Like that wasn't. His motivation. His motivation, or even, I believe, I don't think it was a thought. Like it said, you know, it wasn't even something to be grasped. His heart was so much of a servant. That wasn't even something that I don't even think was probably in his frame of mind. It's love. Yeah. When you love someone, you take their interest. Right. It's almost like you wouldn't even think about doing something intentionally to harm them because it's like, well, no, I love them. So it wasn't even. And that was that. It says he became obedient to the point of death, even a death on the cross. And we know that. For God so loved us that he sent his son. And so scripture clearly says that God gave up his right to be right, mm. to be close. Mm-hmm. And I want you to write that down. That's important. Jesus gave up his right to be right so that he could be close to us. And it says that have this mind in you that even though uh, Jesus was God, he didn't try to be God. He was just God, but he chose to empty himself. He gave up his right to be sitting at the throne of God and to stay in heaven. He gave up his right to uh, destroy all the people that was going to crucify him. 
And he gave that up because he loved them. Well, he gave up his right to uh, not take the blame. I mean, if you think, mm -hmm. I mean, how hard that is to take the blame for someone else and doing it with joy. This is what he really did. He said they did it. He never said they didn't do it, but he said, I'll pay the cost for it. Right. Yeah. So and, to go to jail or to go to prison uh -huh. or to go, uh -huh. or I mean, go to the electric chair. I mean, that's, yeah. it wasn't even just jail. Give up his life. Right. But, you know, and the worst thing was the cross. Right. Uh, they wouldn't even do crucifixions to right. a Roman uh, citizen. Right. And so as you think about giving up your right to be right, and you think about as a believer that when we think about other believers or we think about our lives and having to put that perspective and that principle into our lives, how difficult it is. It's not just to give up our right to be right, to be close to other believers, but it's that same principle in every area of your life. It's not just in the church, but it is as a wife, as a mom, as a daughter, it is saying, okay, I am going to give up my right to be right because I want to be close to you. And I just want us to just really think about that for a minute because how difficult is it to not try to prove your point? Right. Well, and I think that goes back to, you know, thinking of in those situations because there are times where, I mean, we need to still you know, have our self-respect. We need to still, you know, not letting people walk all over us or that sort of thing. And I think that goes back to what you're saying of like, he never, Jesus never denied the truth of, yeah, this is your debt, mm -hmm. our debt, but I'm going to take it on. And so I think we also need to remember, like, that's what God called him to do. Mm -hmm. You know, God and asked he's called him, us to do it. Right. And I think, so it's like, whatever, you know, those moments where we just take, you know, if you're in an argument and it's not just like, you know, I don't love conflict. So it's not me just like throwing my hands up being like, okay, like I bow out, you know, like you're right. And out of fear. Mm -hmm. And it's not that, but it's what you said of, I'm not going to try and prove myself. Like I and don't, you're, you're not trying to get out of conflict. You're trying to have a closer relationship with the right. person. And it says that, um, therefore God exalted him because of how that Jesus was obedient to the father, that God put him above every name and that every knee shall bow and have it in our earth. And I think that there's a difference. Not every knee is going to bow to us. But when we think about how God had every right to destroy mankind, he did not. But because of his obedience, God says, look, not only is Jesus not trying to prove he's God, but he is God. And at one day, everybody's going to know it. Right. You know what? He was so confident of that. Mm -hmm. He was so confident that you're going to know I'm God one day. Right. So I don't need to prove it today. Right. I don't need to prove it in this moment. So right. I'm going to be obedient and humble myself to the father. And he just was so confident in that promise of God that all will know. Like, and I think that this is, is an encouragement to us because if you're in a situation and you feel like you've been mistreated or talked about or someone's had an opinion of you that's not correct and maybe a, a victim of gossip or whatever is so easy to try to prove that they've lied about you and I think that in time God will bring out the truth mm -hmm. and I think that what God is saying you don't have to sit around and be so consumed of proving your point you don't have mm -hmm. to live to Make sure that your name is not, you know, destroyed by some kind of reputation of someone else's lies and accusations. Mm -hmm. 
just go on and do what I've asked you to do. And I think it's up to God to uh, redeem your name. Or if you haven't done something and you've been falsely accused, that God will make it all right. But if we leave that as our focus, that we are living to prove that we are somebody or we're going to show somebody that what they've said about us is not true, then we're beginning to live and preoccupied with what we think and trying to protect our name and try to protect our reputation and try to prove that we're somebody. But I love the fact that what you were saying, Jesus wasn't trying to just prove something. He was that. He didn't have to live in such a way that he wanted everybody else to know at that very moment that he was God, even though he was telling them over and over again. I remember Howard saying to me one time, and I never will forget it. I was, you know, feeling like that someone had the wrong opinion of me and felt like I was doing things out of the wrong motivation. And I said to Howard, yeah, I really think that they have a wrong opinion of me of why I'm involved in what I'm involved in. And he said, you know, what I try to do is I just say, God, is this true? And you go and you pray and you say, is there any truth in this? Am I having the wrong motivation? Do I come across that I'm better than they are, that whatever any kind of accusation that someone may say about you, it's always wise to just say, God, is any of that true? And the Holy Spirit in you will say, well, yeah, a little bit of it mm-hmm. is true. You kind of do have a bad attitude or, right. you know, that won't be. A, and when the Holy Spirit does that, he's not accusing and he's not condemning, but it's this. He's pointing it out. Right. And I think that is definitely something to keep in mind as, you know, you pray through those questions, because mm-hmm. if it brings, a, you know, this feeling of shame or condemnation, then it's not a God. Not, but right. what, what he said was, if you just pray and you ask mm-hmm. God, is this true? And then if you feel like that God is like, no, that's not true, you know, then you let it go. And being open to hearing that, because sometimes right. when you ask God, is this true of me? You, you want to know yeah. that. <laughs> and, and you wouldn't ask God really down deep, sincerely, if you didn't really down deep want to know that. You may not really want to enjoy hearing that. But if you are open to the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, you need to really maybe need to go and ask someone to forgive you or you need to, uh, you know, not be so caught up in your what other people think of you but whatever god puts on your heart like you said it's not condemnation it's just uh discernment and it's just wisdom and it brings light into the darkness of those areas and then if you deal with that then you let it go and then you don't just continue to beat yourself up over it and you don't continue to worry about it because again that self-occupation we live in a narcissistic world where it's all about us. It's all about what people think about us. It's your image. It's the way people view of you. And you cannot change someone's view of you. If they want to think that about you, they're going to think of that about you. But if you are keeping your focus on God, like, you know, God, I want to be like you. I want to love others more than I love myself. Then that's where you kind of focus on. And that was what Paul was focusing on. Paul was saying, you know what? I just rejoice. It doesn't matter where I am. I was thinking about this when I was reading Philippians and I wrote in my Bible, you cannot destroy Paul because there would be people that put him in prison. He goes, oh, great. This is great because now the kingdom, you know, I can tell the jailer about Christ. 
And then they start talking about him or they leave him alone. If you read in Philippians 2, he says, I am all along. I have Timothy and I have Paparotus. And he says, I am okay. At least I got two people because he says, I have no one like Timothy and Paparotus. And so as, as we think about Paul, no matter what happened to Paul, he had that mindset of, I have the eternal perspective. I know that one day God's going to make everything okay. Everybody's going to know that Jesus is the Messiah. One day, they may not listen to me. They may not care. They may beat me. But one day, they're going to know I was right. Well, and he knew this moment is fleeting. That's right. It's and, not going to last forever. You know, he's not going to be in jail forever. Either mm-hmm. he's going to get out or go to heaven. So yeah. Absolutely. He lived for the moment. But yet he also lived knowing that one day he was going to be face to face with Jesus. And he said, you know, as we talked last week, to die is gain. And so as I think about as we close up in this in Philippians 2, he says, be a light in a dark world. And I, I love how going what we were talking about, just the whole idea of a servant. Mm-hmm. That's how you are that light. You know, we are like a servant to God, a servant to that is who we serve. We're not serving ourselves and we're really not serving others. We're a servant to Jesus. And when we are servant to Jesus, then we have the heart for others. Mm-hmm. Then we have, uh, you know, a heart that, that is mind. outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the mind that isn't focused mm-hmm. on ourselves. And as he said, you know, um, you are a light in the world. He, I did, I do want to touch on one thing as we close in the, So when we get in the middle of Philippians where he says, you know, work out your own salvation, he's not saying that your salvation comes from works. He's saying because you have been saved, because you're a child of God, he said, now work this out. In other words, live it out. Be a light in a dark world. He says, um, and do everything without grumbling and disputing that you may be innocent, that other people will look at you and see that you're different. Mm -hmm. And then because you're not acting like everybody around you, then they're going to see that you're different and that they'll see the light in you. And maybe mm-hmm. hopefully somebody say, why are you so different? Mm-hmm. And so I want to point that out because a lot of people feel like that's a little bit of a contradiction because in Galatians, he says that we've been saved by grace, mm-hmm. but here he's saying, work out your own salvation. And that's actually like, I am, I am living what I believe. And as we live it, it becomes more reality to us. Mm -hmm. And we are more of a light because we're living totally opposite the way the world thinks. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the light of Jesus in you. So it's as you're working out that and begin to be obedient to God. And as you're doing that every single day, more and more obedience to God, more the light shines and more that you see. And he says, even though you're in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, you can shine. So it doesn't really matter what situation you're in, what world you're in, even though you're in a twisted and corrupt and evil generation world, you can still be a light. Even though there's darkness in the world, you can still be a light. Mm -hmm. And I think that Paul was encouraging the church in Philippi. You know, things aren't going so well. I've been in prison. There's many Christians that have been persecuted. And even though you are in a twisted and corrupt world, you don't have to be like the world. You be a light. And I think it starts by having that mindset of Christ. So Philippians 2, Paul is saying, hey, you are the light of the world. 
don't think about yourself. Don't think about and be so consumed and occupied with yourself. But let Christ control your mind. Let Christ control your actions. And if you begin to walk every single day with the mindset of Christ and not being so concerned about yourself, but think about others just like Christ did, give up your right to be right, then you're going to be a light in a world. And that is very difficult when you are in a world that says, think about only yourself. You know, you look and you turn on the news and everything you hear is, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. And it's hard sometimes to not get caught up in that mindset. As we know, God said, you know what? I had every right to remain in heaven and still be God. I have every right to destroy you, but I didn't. He gave up his right to be right, to be close. And if we were to live just that principle along, what an impact it would make in our families, with our friends, and within our heart. I hope you wrote some of that down. For more content from DOT, head to dotbowen.com. This podcast is brought to you by Cup of Joy Ministries and generous contributions from listeners like you. We look forward to being with you again next week for week three of the Philippian series. Thanks for listening.